You're listening to 3CR Radio. So come on, what's the limit? What's the limit and you will make it there. So come on, what's the limit? What's the limit until you walk on air, 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 air. Kids in the hall there, walk on air. We're on In Your Face on 3CR with James. I am joined by Bo Newham, who is a volunteer through Australian Volunteers International, working in the HIV AIDS field in Bali in Indonesia uh, for an organisation called Yasan Gay Dewata Bali. Welcome, Bo. Hello. First time on radio, which we love. Yep, first time. Tell us about the uh, communities that you work with in, in Bali, because they don't call it the GLBTI communities, do they? In Indonesia in the last two years, there's been a very strong popularization of, or in Indonesian, I would say LGBT or LGBT. Right. But generally, before then, and for my organization, we mainly only work with uh, gay men and men who have sex with men, and also the Waria community, which is sometimes translated as trans women in English, but it's its own term with its own history and its own own use. So, yeah, so gay men, warrior, and everyone else that's kind of interacting with those two main groups. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, often HIV AIDS work is divided up into treatment, care and support Mm. and prevention. And sometimes they don't really merge, but it sounds like your work does. Yeah, I think think because there are very limited services in in Bali and in Indonesia in general that that work with these communities but also work with people uh, living with HIV but also people who have a a chance of contracting HIV through, you know, being part of these communities. So we really have to be like a one-stop shop in terms of trying our best to, to fill the gaps that are in the health systems that exist in Indonesia at the moment. And how difficult is it for people to get treatments in Indonesia? Because I imagine that there would be many people who can't afford it. So ARVs for people with HIV are free in Indonesia. Wow. But that, that can sound very great on paper. But um, in terms of access to the healthcare system and being able to actually access somewhere that can give you those ARVs. And then right. also just just very strong stigma barriers in terms of you know, being able to be seen as taking treatment. And really? Yeah. So you'd think that it would be the opposite because if people are getting sick, they look sick. So there's going to be the association mm. with HIV towards them. But yeah, no. I, I think I, I'm, I, I was always shocked in Australia, you know, p- taking tablets is so normalized here. Like people, you know, even people who aren't on medicine, you know, everyone's constantly taking vitamins or, or something. But in Indonesia, taking obat or a tablet every day is quite jarring. So if people are seen to be doing that, people will naturally assume that you're very ill or very sick. And then there's a, if it is seen as HIV-related, there's a lot of stigma related to that. So, And how does the community deal with that issue internally insofar as people with the virus are concerned? Uh, does that stigma relate to gay men without HIV expressing a lot of stigma towards those with it? Really? Definitely. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, and we're still we're still dealing with that in Australia as well. Absolutely. But uh, and you know, Bali is it's a big melting pot these days. You know, you have have tourists coming in in the millions. You have people from all over Indonesia coming into Bali as well, and then you have the local community. So they're all interacting. And but I think across the board in Indonesia, there is 
very high rates of stigma against people living with HIV. And you, you see that with, you know, recently last year there was a, um, a scholarship program being offered in West Sumatra which specifically stated, you know, if you have HIV, you cannot apply for this scholarship. And that's so, completely legal. It's blurry. There's a lot of... like I, it's, it's not my area of expertise, so I won't comment on too much, but there's a lot of blurriness between where province powers lie and what they can do and the national government and local communities. So. And I guess because of that stigma and also the cultural need to save face, mm. uh, people just don't apply. Yeah, I, I, I think it can never be underestimated how much of an effect stigma has on how people interact with everything to do with HIV in a lot of parts of the world, but especially Indonesia. You know, just being seen... You know, being seen going to get tested for HIV can have a very real effect on your life wow. in, in Bali. So, you know, it once over and over and over again, it's stigma that's the main barrier to both, you know, making helping people living with HIV live a a healthy life in all aspects of their life. But it's also a bar treatment. that's so high, isn't mm. it? I mean, you can't, you can't, if you've got HIV, you can't take the tablets because, you know, mm. there'll be the stigma. And if you want to get tested for it, you can't take the, you know, you can't get the test because yeah. of the stigma. So yeah. therefore, you know, you've got a greater chance of having HIV and passing it on to other people. So the mm. epidemic just gets worse. It steamrolls. Yeah. And, you know, all, all of the, well, especially in gay men and other MSM and in the warrior community, the, the rates... Every, all of the data they're collecting, even though the data itself is having a lot of barriers, like all of it's showing that, you know, the rates are increasing and that they're, you know, at unprecedented levels. Like the last statistics that came out of Dempasa in Bali um, put the MSM community like above 30% in terms of HIV prevalence. And that's, you know... Is that is that high compared to the rest of Indonesia? Yeah, so... If you're if you you're going to do Indonesia in general, then it's well well below one percent in terms of HIV prevalence. So only only in certain provinces like Papua and West Papua uh, is it seen as a, a general epidemic. But in in the rest of Indonesia, it's only key key populations like gain other MSM and and the trans community that are, are really at those epidemic levels. Why is West Papua different? There's a whole collection of very big political issues, cultural issues, and like deeply rooted structural issues that aren't my area of expertise and aren't anything that I feel comfortable, especially as a foreigner and um, a foreigner from Australia, feel very comfortable commenting on. But, but your gut feeling? It's a very different collection of cultures in a in a country that is very dominated by by a uh, a very different culture collection of cultures with very different norms around sexuality and education and or you know and you can't underestimate poverty and disempowerment from political process and you know mining and natural resource extraction which you know always goes hand in hand with um spikes in HIV unfortunately do you think also the Indonesian government is a bit deliberately uh, relaxed in its approach to HIV prevention in West Papua compared to other areas? No, I don't. I don't think it's deliberately relaxed. But I think there are there. Are, you know, there's some very. It's such a politicized relationship between the national government and those areas that I think that 
there, there's so many barriers in terms of um, being able to formulate an effective response. But yeah, like I said, it's not it's not an area that I've worked in, and not not, not an area that I consider myself as being able to give too much commentary on. So, so let's let's go back to the work that you focus on day to day. I'd be mm. fascinated to know what does an average day working in the HIV AIDS field in Bali involve for you. So the organisation I'm with, I'm with a, a small community-based organisation called Yayasanga Edawata, and they, they've been around since the early 90s, and they were founded by a group of community members um, that kind of felt like, you know, they they weren't having their voice heard. And I'm, I'm there through a program called Australian Volunteers for International Development. So I, w- I was with them for one year, and I'm about to go back for another 18 months. So for me... It's it's always changing. As an organisation, it's very much an outreach worker-based organisation. So it's about putting people out in the field, finding people that need access to services and kind of hand-holding those people and accessing those services. Because we've definitely found, especially when it comes to testing and utilising services, that people don't want to, you know, they're not going to turn up to the clinic by themselves. They want someone there with them to kind of show them through the process step by step. So that idea that you can just kind of put the information out there, you know, there's a clinic here, it's sensitive to our community, it's completely free, it's completely anonymous, just rock up one day and you can do it. That just does not have the same effect as you would imagine. So it's definitely been a um, outreach workers going out there, meeting face-to-face and then taking them with it. So, so it's kind of like really the approach to HIV in Australia in the 80s and early 90s where the epidemic was regarded much more seriously and people weren't kind of left to fend for themselves as they are now. Well, you know, you, you haven't had the, you know, it's working with Yoyasangai Dawada, you still are having those stories of, you know, young men passing away in hospital from age-related illnesses. People in the community are constantly hearing about that in the community. So you haven't had the big conversation shifts that you, we've seen in Australia where, you know, it's very much seen, I would say, in in the people I interact with here, you know, as a treatable, you know, something you can live a very long and very fulfilled life with. So it's kind of like the, the, the big bad years of the 80s and the early 90s here where the gay and lesbian community was talking about HIV all the time. It had huge kind of, you know, coverage in the mainstream media. And people were dying all the time. Like you'd open up the gay press Mm. and uh, there'd always be photos of people in the obituaries column, you know. And that doesn't happen anymore, but it sounds like that's certainly happening in Bali. Yeah, I I was shocked going there and just knowing how how often that narrative comes up. And also, you know, it's people that are very much part of the community. I think people imagine that these days if you were, you know, if you were – part of the community and had access to all of this education, being part of all of these discussions and, you know, if treatment is available, that these things aren't going to be happening. But I think it, it's it's very easy to underestimate how much of an effect stigma can have. And when stigma is at such a level that um, people can really act in their, not in their best interest in, in terms of just trying to maintain their, their social relations and trying to you know, continue to live a normal life, even even though by their actions they're putting their, their health at risk. 
you must hear some wonderful stories, though, from people who kind of, you know, uh, refuse to give in and kind of band together to overcome that. Yeah, well, um, it's yes been, and no. <laughs> well, it, it's been a very hard two years in Indonesia for the queer community, and I, you know, it's it's been very much part of the political discussion in, in Indonesia about you know the LGBT. IQ community and what what place they have in in terms of, of rights and visibility. And the government's been not particularly sympathetic? Anyone that's been following Indonesian um, politics recently would have heard about the two young men in Aceh who yep. were, were just caned. And, you know, the, res- the response to that sort of visible violent homophobia in the community is it's always going to be inspiring to see people rallying together and trying to make the best of of very horrid situations but those right? canings i imagine make it so much harder well you know Aceh is its very own a very unique province of indonesia that has its own very specific history in terms of you know being able to enact sharia law and you know it's very much a post conflict zone and mm. It's recovering from the tsunami as well. But, you know, I think that these explicit showings of homophobia are definitely having a very profound impact on it, the, the queer community across Indonesia at large. And not always negative because it's definitely a, a rallying cry for the community to, you know, that they need to get organised and they, they need to be each other's strength in, in what is increasingly growing into a hostile environment but your work sounds amazing you must love it because you've been there you've come back and you're going back, going back you've again, done two yeah. years in indonesia how long are you going to spend there this time around this time's 18 months so i'll be i i'm in Jogjakarta for one month and then i'm in bali for 17 months working with gaerawada again which is i'm very much looking forward to and they're, they're bigger than ever and definitely going from strength to strength so excellent yeah Bo, it's a great privilege to have you in the studio. Thank you so much for joining me today on 3CR and uh, keep up the awesome work in Indonesia. Okay, thank you. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.